Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. This is Pat Sherlock, and welcome to our podcast today. I'm super excited about this topic because it's such a crucial topic, and I'm also excited about our guest, Mike Mawani, who is Director of Mortgage at First International Bank and Trust. I've known Mike for a very long time. He has been with banks and non-banks. He's currently, as I mentioned, at First International, but previously was at BB&T, Susquehanna, and other banking institutions. So Mike, this is a great topic, empowering your sales staff, what works and what doesn't work. So before we kind of jump into that topic, let's kind of talk about how you got into managing and, you know, share with everyone how you did that. Sure, Pat. Before I start, thank you for having me on, Pat. I do enjoy your weekly blogs. They're always a must-read for me. They provide great insights. They're thought-provoking and do uh, play a part in some of the strategies that we go down as a as an organization here. So I wanted to thank you for that. Well, um, thank you. As yeah. far as oh, you're welcome. As far as how I got into management, well, I started my career over 30 years ago in New Jersey with an SNL. Um, the SNL, unfortunately, was uh, met with the, the, the fate of the RTC, if uh, those folks out there remember the old Resolution Trust Corporation. And I went to a independent mortgage banker out of Cranford, New Jersey, where I had a, a continuation of my loan officer career. And an opportunity presented itself where I was promoted into a sales manager role, and that journey started started then. I think it was about 19... Gosh, I can't even remember the date, Pat. It's, it's been that long. But, uh, well, we're not, we're not uh, going to date yeah. you. <laughs> so what's the best yeah. advice, Mike, that you've had on this whole topic? Managing isn't easy, and so I'm curious about what was the best advice that you might have received. Well, there have been a lot of great mentors in my career, starting with the the, the person that promoted me, Doug Tarda, an mm -hmm. industry veteran, and uh, the many folks at, at Waterfield. But, you know, one of the things that I was always told as a leader is be fact-based. When you are a leader, one of the things that you're looking for is credibility and trust. And that is lost if you're not dealing in fact, or you're just trying to take a shortcut to solve a solution. The other thing that, that has been emphasized to me throughout my career and something that I try to pride myself on doing is explain the why. Explain mm -hmm. why you're going down a certain path. Let them understand the benefits to that. Not that, hey, I said so. Listen, that I know that's tough sometimes. I, I know that by nature, I'm not a patient person. And sometimes you, as a leader, you see what uh, Z looks like, but your team doesn't. They're still working through C, D, and E. So listen, because there might be something you're missing that should be part of your rationale in, in making key decisions. A, a great point that, uh, would you really kind of talk about that as, as what I call kind of a secret sauce? I mean, in other words, is that how you kind of see that of all these things you're mentioning? I do. I do. And I, I've been at First International Bank for just under a year. And uh, the, the company is a, a rock-solid, rock strong organization with a very strong mortgage entity. 
But one of the things like other entities, we, we're obviously looking at what future state looks like as the industry evolves, as consumer needs change. One of the best pieces of advice I got from my boss here was be patient. And it was more of a reaffirmation of patience. So as we looked at some of our technology initiatives, we really, I saw what the end goal needed to look like. One of the things that we did as a leadership team and as key stakeholders is we went through the process and listening to the team, listening to what, you know, what some of our strengths were, what some of our areas of opportunity were, really gave me perspective to not just come in and say, hey, I saw this great technology, I saw the demo, we're gonna do this, let's go. So that really that listening, that understanding, getting getting that informed consensus versus, okay, he doesn't know what he's talking about, but he's not gonna take no for an answer, let's just go ahead and do it. Um, listening has been something that has been not only instilled in me by great leaders, but it's been reaffirmed time in and time out. Well, that's a great point, especially today with technology that so many companies and leaders just roll it out and they haven't really and, and, and they really haven't gotten the buy in from the employees. And as a result, that's why there's low usage. But I guess that really does tie in together about empowering your sales staff. I know we can talk for hours about this, but talk about maybe four or five things that you think are key steps to do that. So one of the things is, again, I, I can't emphasize listening, visibility. And visibility is beyond just sending the email with the latest update or might want to see this mm -hmm. article. Just being out there, being out there with their COIs, listening to their COIs, listening to them and what some of their struggles are. Getting them involved, getting them involved in the process, whether it's a project build out, Look, you don't want to take your top producer off the street for three days and say, hey, you're part of this task force. But if they can spare some time, and many of them will spare, mm -hmm. you know, that time that they have to say, here is my thought process. Get them also involved in some of those industry events and webinars that will help their business. Not try to force will your, quote, expertise on them, but allowing them to get a broad breadth of insights from, from you know, industry experts, industry resources like yourself, like the MI companies offer some of the uh, some of the tools to succeed. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the key key things that we do. We also have sort of taken it a step further and we've just engaged the entire platform. It's something that again was instilled in me from my days at Waterfield. I know you know a lot of uh, strong leaders at Waterfield. Sure. But do Trying to build that team consensus. Obviously, our sales teams are the catalyst. They're the ones that are customer facing, but we want everybody to be aligned in the goal that we're there to serve our communities, there to serve our customers. So we have brought in our entire team as part of our engagement strategy and not tried to segregate it strictly to sales, strictly to operations. We do that as needed, mm -hmm. but we try to just bring everybody together, which we feel helps that engagement with the sales team and align everybody's goals. Well, you raised a really great point that if you could really kind of talk a little bit more about, because I I think when you said about involving top producers, I think at a lot of companies, 
it's always pretty much expected that the top producer is kind of doing their own thing and that therefore, you know, I don't want to bother them by asking them to really add to the vision of where the company or the industry needs to go. Um, and it sounds like you've incorporated theirs, their input, which I think is really important and I don't really see enough of. What was the reaction to the top producers when they were asked to be part of an effort like that? So throughout my career, Many of the top producers do want to give you mm -hmm. what some of their challenges are. They want to know that you're you're listening. Obviously, they're they're top producers for a reason, but they want to know that if you're going down a path of hey, we're going to introduce something new, and we 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 want you to utilize that, and you're going to upset their world. They want to know that they've contributed to it. They've mm -hmm. contributed to thought process that you're not going in blind and going to upset their business and their business model. I've got a very uh, strong producer here out of our Phoenix market, and he will offer me his insight on things unsolicited as a result of, I think, the relationship that we've built up. He'll come directly and, and he'll pose questions. He'll ask for thought process and mindset. And I think that's part and parcel of the engagement and the relationship and the visibility that uh, that I think hopefully that I brought to him and uh, and his feeling that his voice is heard. Well, you raised a really great point. And again, I don't see that enough. And I have to say through various interviewings of top producers that I've done, they will talk about how they don't, they're not really asked. Again, I think a lot of times the mindset's more along the lines of, well, you know, they're busy. I don't want to bother them, which is really a big mistake because they do want to be heard. I know that you've rolled out this analysis that you were doing about the future state. Um, talk about for everyone on listening to the podcast about how you really pulled everybody together to get their input. How did you prevent it from not being a whiner's moment? Um, and how did you really kind of get everyone to feel like they participated? Kind of walk through the mechanics of what you did. Sure. Um, in August, as I started to get comfortable in my role with the organization, we, you know, specifically to um, technology, we assembled the leadership team and the second level of that leadership team to try to understand what the technology needs were, what our workflow was. And what we started with was not down a pre-described, hey, this is a great piece of technology, we need it, and we need to go roll it out. We tried to look at current state. We tried to look at the wins and the successes that we were having as an organization, but also the opportunities to improve. In August, like all lenders, we were we had record volumes. So we felt it was a good time to really understand what was working and what was not working. So we didn't go down into the meetings with the with the desire of picking a technology right then and there. We mm -hmm. wanted to see what we had, what was working, what was not working. And then we wanted to see if there was an efficacy we could build around our workflow with the mm -hmm. goal to being how do we make our MLOs more productive, not rock their worlds? And at the same time, how can we get our operations stakeholders not to be doing a lot of the manual tasks that may have been built up over the years as mm -hmm. the industry evolved? Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a key first step was just like, let's understand what we're doing right. 
mm-hmm. before we go in and try to implement something on top of it with unintended consequences. We also looked at who we were as a company. We, I think we are a phenomenal community bank, and I think we understand how to be a great community bank mortgage company, which is working with the COIs and being really ingrained in our communities. So we don't want to lose the core of who we are. And we don't want to become something we're not. We don't want to become the next, pick a mortgage company, pick, pick whoever that is. We want to become the best version of ourselves and continue to create those opportunities and bring new opportunities to the bank. Because mm-hmm. after all, we are a bank. And I think that we serve a lot of the consumer needs that are out there. So we also were very mindful of the culture. I think once those two foundational pieces were set as part of our strategic planning, when we went to our strategic planning session, we then could understand what workflow looked like, what the organizational structure looked like. Everybody was assigned a piece of it. So sales, what the sales need to look like, what are some of the opportunities we have to improve that front end of the delivery system? How can we operations how can we improve each segment of the process and how can we get those loans clear to close even faster than we're doing today and then i think things started to crystallize and we were able to then implement a workflow and work concurrently with what we needed to build out in a point of sale system from the standpoint of making it easier, simpler, faster, and gaining adoption. And every step of the way, every month we do our all call, every month we have our our newsletter we send out to teams, but we also follow up with phone calls with our key stakeholders every step of the way on the journey so we can understand where our opportunities are. Then we implement it, we already feel we've gotten through 80% of at least getting people through the the, the denial phase of change, the resistance phase of change, hopefully when we roll it out, they're more in the exploration phase. And they're, they're excited about exploring how this is gonna make their lives easier. So it sounds pretty much that, and I know because you've been at many different mortgage companies and banks, that you really have removed the silos that typically are between one side of the institution and the other side and the fights. Would you say that's pretty fair description? I would say so. And I would say that that has been something that has been instilled by great leaders. And if you don't mind me paying homage to a couple of those Waterfield leaders, Dan Katai and Bill Bent, they were always looking for that informed consensus and teams working together. And so, yeah, I I think if everybody has the same common goal and they understand what they're working toward and they're part of that organization, I think you'll have more successes than you will setbacks. Right. Yeah. And I would say that it sounds pretty much from what you're saying is that that by having this I think a lot of times management thinks that it's too time intensive, that they really can't spend that time trying to have everybody participate when in fact that time is worth its weight in gold. Is that fair to say? It absolutely is. And I will say that where I have found the time to do a lot of this is the young thing that was taught to me, if you don't mind me sort of taking a step back, was really understanding my industry. Sure. And not just punching in at 8.30, leaving at 5, but really understanding what was happening in my industry, getting that home 
homework in or 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 that practice time and what the changes were what what the regulations were i think as a leader if you understand the industry and all facets of it mm-hmm. you're able to better articulate that back to the teams and you're able to not spend time getting sidetracked on topics that are not salient to the success of the organization. And in the process, similar to myself, when I looked at those great leaders and the vast knowledge they had, the understanding and the dynamicness of wanting to continue to evolve, I learned from that. I -hmm. learned a lot from that. And Mm -hmm. I feel that folks feel that if that is being passed on to them, while you're listening and trying to understand, coming up with consensus, that they're better equipped to do and perform their roles. Well, I think that's a great comment, and I think we only have a few minutes left. Maybe will you, you know, summarize the takeaways, all the points that you were making? I can't emphasize enough. I agree 100%. So, so Mike, if you had to give, you know, two or three things that we'd want managers to take away today, what would that be? First and foremost, gain an informed consensus. Include your teams in the decision process. Maybe it takes you a little bit longer um, in in putting something out there, but I think you'll put out a better product and you'll have the efficiencies that you're looking for. Really understand your industry, understand what's going on, uh, you know, continue to evolve your thought process. And the biggest one, again, that, that I learned was be fact-based. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing will derail your credibility more than just not being factual or fact-based or understanding the information that you're putting out there. And, and those, that, that last one I just gave you was something that was really instilled in me. And I'm, I'm glad it was. Right. Well, I want to thank you today. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And certainly look for our next uh, podcast. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Mike. Thank you, Pat.